0: Welcome to the City Church Podcast, your home for all of the audio and sermons from City Church St. Petersburg. We meet every week at 10 a.m. at the Sundial AMC Movie Theater, 151 2nd Avenue North, in beautiful downtown St. Petersburg, Florida. This week, I was looking outside my window in the cold as I have been doing for the past two years now. I've mentioned a couple times in my sermons that my desk has a window that has a great view of a raggedy old fence and a St. Pete alleyway. But for the past two years, that has been my view from my room. That's what I get to see when I look up from from working on my sermon. And so I get to see all sorts of nice nature. One time there was a possum. Most of the time there are squirrels and all the time there are lizards. And as I was looking at them, this happened a little while back in the throes of deep COVID, I noticed that all of the lizards that I saw were brown. And it got me thinking, when I was a kid, when I was growing up, it seemed to me that all the lizards I saw in this area of Florida were green. I was kind of thinking, am I crazy? Like, am I just like, misremembering what life was like as a child. Am I, you know, is there something else going on here? And so I did what any of us would do in that scenario. I threw it in Google and said, why are the lizards brown now when they used to be green? And I found out that I am not crazy, which is nice. In the 70s, plants that were being raised in the Caribbean brought over eggs of the brown anole, and the brown anole overtook the green anole as the dominant species of lizard in Florida. So my memories of childhood, of having green lizards, not brown lizards, were correct. They're an invasive species. There are still green anoles. Uh, They're just at the top of the trees, and we don't get to see them that much. This morning, we're going to look at Jesus' sermon that is all about parables. This is one of only two sermons that Jesus gives in Mark, and it is completely made up of parables. And one of those parables is about a mustard tree. And a mustard tree is not an invasive species. It's native uh, to the land of Israel. but it is a species that, if you're not careful, will absolutely overrun the things that are around it. In fact, Pliny the Elder, who is this strange Roman historian who wrote a lot about like medical procedures in the first century, interesting guy. Uh, said that when a mustard uh, tree takes root in your garden or your uh, field, it is nearly impossible to remove it. The seeds are too fertile. You just can't get rid of it. Once you have a mustard bush, you will always have a mustard bush, Pliny said. So Jesus is going to talk about this mustard bush in a parable. And a parable is Jesus' way of talking about normal and mundane things, but loading meaning into them, making them something more. But our instinct is actually wrong when it comes to parables. Our instinct is to turn parables into fables or allegories. Here's what I mean. When most of us think of a parable, we think of it being somewhat akin to Aesop's fables. You guys know many of Aesop's fables are the things you grew up with a child. The the story of the tortoise and the hare, that's Aesop. The story of the scorpion and the frog, that's Aesop. And, And they have these sort of nice little moral endings that tell us a truth about life, right? They always have that nice little bow, that gotcha moment where you go, oh, okay. Where you go, ah, yeah, slow and steady wins the race. Oh, our nature will out. Oh, that's why you always leave a note. But that isn't what parables are. Parables are doing something different. Parables are stories that reveal the nature of the kingdom of God to God's people. But parables have another function. Parables conceal that same thing, that same meaning from outsiders. Parables require the work of the Holy Spirit to be anything other than common observations. And so as we come to these parables of Jesus, let's listen closely because our temptation is just to make them into nice abstract principles. Slow and steady wins the race. Instead, what we need to do this morning as we hear Jesus speaking in parables is to hear and receive and grow from these messages. So if you would, I'd ask you to stand as we all read Mark 4 together. I'm gonna be reading from the ESV. The words will be on the screen behind me, or if you have a Bible or an app, you're welcome to read along, follow along as I read out loud. Again, he began to teach beside the sea and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. And he was teaching them many things in parables. And in his teachings, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some of the seed fell along the path and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil. And immediately it sprang up, Since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. And he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. But for those outside, everything is in parables. So that they may indeed see, but not perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, do you, understand this? Do you, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all of the parables? The sower sows the word. And these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the word that is sown in them. And these are the ones sown on the rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no, no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word, but the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desire for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. And he said to them, Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing is hidden except to be made manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. And then he said to them, Pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given. And from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And he said, the kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day and the seed sprouts and grows. He knows not how the earth produces by itself. First, the blade. Then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle, because the harvest has come. And he said, With what can we compare the kingdom of God, or what parable shall we use for it? It is like a grain of mustard seed, which... When sown on the ground is the smallest of all seeds on the earth. Yet when it is sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches so that the birds of the air can make nests in its shade. With many such parables, he spoke the word to them as they were able to hear it. He did not speak to them without parable, but privately to his own disciples, he explained everything. On that day, when the evening had come, he said to them, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. He said to them, Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, Who then is this, that even the wind and sea obey him? City Church, this is the word of God written nearly 2,000 years ago and intended for us this morning. You may be seated. So Jesus is gathered on the lakeside. People have come to him. There is a huge crowd of him, so much so that he gets out into a boat, pushes off from the land, and then sits down in the boat to speak to all of these people. Between the way that voices are amplified by water and the sort of slope of the shore, there could have been hundreds and hundreds, maybe even uh, thousands of people here to hear Jesus. And we would expect Jesus to trot out the good sermons, to find the good one, right? Like maybe Sermon on the Mount part two, right? That's a good one. Or maybe like Isaiah, like he really likes to preach from Isaiah. Maybe Jesus is going to bring that one out. Nope. Instead, Mark tells us that Jesus only spoke to the crowds at this point in his ministry through parables. That's all he was doing. He was only speaking to them in parables. Which invites a natural question, doesn't it? Why? Well, Why is it that Jesus, with this captive and quite large audience, decides that he is going to be obscure? Decides that he is going to just speak in parables? It's good that we ask this question because we're not the only ones. His disciples ask him the same thing, like, Hey, um... Love what you're doing. Love your sermons, Jesus. They're a little hard to understand for everybody. What's going on? And Jesus tells them. Jesus gives us the answer. Parables are meant to divide. For those who are followers of Jesus, parables reveal the mystery of the kingdom of God, they reveal its secrets. But for those who are outside, who are not followers of Jesus, they conceal God's word. In fact, Jesus does quote Isaiah when he says, the reason why I'm doing this is so that there will be people who see me and do not understand, who hear me and cannot understand what I am saying. You know, it's interesting that parables still have the same effect today. Uh, It's, I was talking to a friend of mine who's not a Christian and he was trying to find common ground, trying to, yeah, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, I like some of Jesus stuff. And he actually, he quoted a parable to me, except the, he turned the parable into Aesop's fables. He completely did not understand what the parable was about. And so they still continue to have this way of dividing us. Parables are all about secrets Secrets that only insiders can understand. They're, they're like an inside joke. I love inside jokes. I, I hope to be a part of one someday. But these are inside jokes that are, that are not funny, haha, but funny, hmm. So as we approach these parables this morning, we're not looking for some universal moral truth. We're not looking for a moral to the story. Instead, here's what parables are parables are an inside look at the workings of the kingdom of God. This is the behind the scenes tour of how God works. And the first one that he tells is the tells the tale of the parable of the sower. It's a farmer who goes out and his seed falls on four different types of soil. Now this is not sort of modern industrialized farming where your seed is spread by machine and all of that. No no, this is you got a bag of grain, you go out in the field and you throw the grain on the field. Farming happens. And so as this guy comes out, Jesus says that he threw his seed out, and there were four different outcomes. Some of it, he, he threw a little too hard. He got a little too excited, you know, bent the wrist a little too much as he cast it out, and it ended up on the on the pathway between his and his neighbor's house on the road. And that was immediately eaten by birds. And then there's another type of soil. This other type of soil was not very deep. It had rocks underneath of it. And so when the sower went out and threw seed there, the plants started to grow, but they had no root system. So they didn't. And then he says, there was others that I didn't know. There was thorns underneath. I couldn't see the seeds that were hidden of these thorns. And as I, as the sower sowed the seed there, they got choked out by those weeds. And then, and then there was this last type of soil, this last part of the land that the sower threw his seed on. And that yielded 30 fold and 60 fold and a hundred fold. Now, for you to have 10x crops, for you to have a 10-fold crop was bumper crop big deal. So this 30, 60, 100-fold stuff, that's like miraculous. And that's the whole story that Jesus tells. Think about that. We know and we just read that Jesus is going to explain this, but imagine being just Joe Galilee who comes out to see Jesus, Jesus, this man who can heal lepers, Jesus, this man who can heal all sorts of diseases, Jesus, this man who preaches in the synagogue, Jesus, this man who is doing all of this. And he says, Hey, farming, let me tell you something that you've seen a hundred times. You've seen your neighbor throw seed on the ground and some of it grows and some of it doesn't. Makes you think. Do you see how this would conceal? Do you see how this is meant to only be heard by the certain people that God intends it to be heard by? If you know, you know, Jesus says. If you get it, you get it. Or in his words, if you have ears to hear, let them hear. But for the disciples... Jesus reveals what this is all about. He walks them through this. He walks them through and says, okay, so this is a metaphor about when God spreads his word out to different people. Some people immediately, Satan takes the word away. Satan snatches it off the road. The word never even sinks into their heart. For others, the word never really takes root. It is a shallow and, and quick relationship. For others, they do grow roots. They do genuinely begin to to walk with Jesus to think about Jesus but then something happens the cares of this world tend to choke them out the cares and desires of more stuff squeeze out the space for God and his word and then there's then there's the good soil there's the good soil that yields this huge huge crop It's easy to look at this story and to look at the interpretation that Jesus gives us and say, okay, you should, you should let the word of God take root in your heart and you should not be distracted and concerned with all of the other things of this world. Okay. Got it. Do better. But that that's moralizing this tale. That's turning this into Aesop's fable. That's not what we're doing here. That's not what Jesus is doing here. He's doing something different. He's giving us a behind the scenes look at the kingdom of God. The important part to see here is what makes the good soil good soil. It's not that it's not thorny, though it is. It's not that it's not deep. Though it is. Something else is happening here. What is it that creates this miraculous fruit? Fruitful and fulfilling Christian life is this hearing, then receiving, then bearing fruit. Jesus is giving us a picture of how the kingdom of God works, and the kingdom of God always grows first by hearing. Then by receiving, and then by bearing fruit in that order. Now, think about this because this is not the way that you and I evaluate our Christian life. This is not the way that you and I evaluate the kingdom of God. We measure our faith and the kingdom of God by how many sins we avoid personally or culturally, and how many nice things we do personally or culturally. We get things backwards. How many days in a row have you read your Bible? How long did you read it for? Did you skip a day of praying? Did you? God will know. He will. No. The essence of the Christian life is carefully hearing God's word. Hearing what God has to say and then receiving it. Paying attention and accepting it. Faith and trust before action in the Christian life faith and trust will always precede our doing. This is is exactly why we sang, we abide in you. This is exactly what Jesus was telling us in John 15. The way that we grow, the way that we produce fruit as Christians, the way that this world is changed by God working through us is not by our effort to do more good things. It's just not. The The way we grow is by abiding in Jesus by a vital and real connection to him. The kingdom of God grows and has miraculous effects because of our abiding in Jesus. That is the miracle of the kingdom. God is using dirt like us to create miracles in this life of faith. And then Jesus tells the people some practical advice on where to put lamps. It's best, Jesus says, to put lamps in the middle of the room. It's not good, Jesus says, to put lamps under baskets or beds. Thus says the Lord. That's Jesus' second parable. Hey guys, put the lamp in the middle of the room. That's where the light goes out. Got it? Jesus, the miracle worker and lamp placement advisor. But Jesus is doing something. He is again concealing his message. He's concealing and revealing at the same time. And it's funny because Jesus actually uses this parable differently than he does in Matthew. Uh, If you read the Daily Prayer Project schedule of readings earlier this week, you read Matthew chapter 5 where Jesus tells a very similar parable. He says the same thing that that you bring a lamp and you don't hide it under a bushel. You don't hide it under the bed. But here in Mark, he's using this a little bit differently. Because our temptation is to read this sort of story of the lamp and then the story of the measure as sort of proverbs that are just random sayings of Jesus lumped together by Mark because he felt like it. But that's not what's going on here. Jesus is telling us a hidden thing. Jesus is telling us a secret. He's not telling us that every hidden thing, that all your secrets are going to be broadcast. He's not telling us be chill about judging others. So we pay attention. No. Here's what Jesus wants us to pay attention to. Pay attention to how much you hear and give attention to the word of God. How you listen. Because if you listen carefully, you'll start to understand the secret. If you listen carefully, Carefully, you'll begin to hear the song, the song that makes the dolphins dance, the song that makes the tree sways, the secret that God is making all things new and bringing his kingdom to this world. Listen, and you will hear the bricks of the gates of hell being torn down. You'll hear the rustle of the chains of Satan being bound. You will hear it if you listen. But if you brush off this secret, if you close your ears to it, Even those things which you do know now will begin to fade from your mind. Jesus says, if you listen and give attention to the word of God, you'll begin to understand the mysteries of the kingdom. If you don't listen well, if you let it go by, if you let it just be another thing that you do, then it will fade from your mind. Be on the lookout. The light is cutting through the darkness. The kingdom of God is being revealed more and more. Pay attention to the word, hear it, receive it, and it will change our lives. And then Jesus tells the most obvious story in all of his parables that he gives this week, that he gives in this sermon. When a farmer sows his seed, he leaves it alone. And all by itself, the seed grows. It just does. It's almost like it's automatic. Strange. The farmer is not really any help at all. I mean, maybe he can throw some fertilizer down on it to help it. Maybe he can weed some some of the weeds out of the field, but this grain grows all on its own. The kingdom of God is not the work of human hands. The kingdom of God is not the work of human hands. And it isn't about our goals. It's not about our plans. We can see its growth. We can witness what's happening around it, but it happens apart from us because it's so much bigger than you and I can imagine. One of our struggles that we have as Christians is that we want the kingdom of God to look a certain way. We want the kingdom of God to have a certain look about it. We want the laws of our country to change in a certain way. We want the demographic numbers of Christians to go up. We want the kingdom of God on our terms. But James Edwards, when commenting on this passage, said this, and I think it's really helpful. To anchor the kingdom of God in human dreams is to lose it. Because the kingdom of God, what God has prepared, is something that no eye has seen and no ear has heard. Jesus is doing something more beautiful than you can imagine. Jesus is doing something more amazing, more life-changing than you could ever possibly dream. No vision of the kingdom that we as humans come up with can hold itself up to the grandeur of what God is going to actually do. So our job is not to try to shape it. Our job is not to try to understand the mystery God doesn't work on our timetable. God doesn't try to, we don't make him try to achieve our ends or bend the kingdom to our desires. No, no. We follow God on his timetable. We allow God to bend us towards his desires. We find what he is doing and work there, not vice versa. And finally, Jesus points out that mustard mustard seeds can produce quite large bushes. Now, I appreciate this because Jesus is being a good preacher here. He's being a good storyteller. He's helping people to to wrap their minds around things. And one of the ways that he's doing that is by using some hyperbole. No, the mustard seed is not the smallest seed in the world. It's like one of the smallest. It's like not very big at all. And no, the, the mustard bush is not the biggest, it's not a cedar. It's not the redwoods. But it's a, it can grow to be a pretty good-sized bush. No, but Jesus is trying to do something more. He's making a bigger point than the relative size of seeds and plants. The kingdom of God may seem insignificant, but its impact is largely hidden until it's not. It's largely hidden until... God reveals it. The kingdom of God began with one man who had three close friends, who had 12 disciples, and they were scattered by persecution within a few years of his death. It went on to meet in homes throughout the Mediterranean. It grew in spite of its persecution throughout the Roman Empire. The kingdom of God flourishes when it is hidden and hassled. The Blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church is what one of the early church fathers, Tertullian said. Even in places where Christianity is flourishing right now are places where it is held down, where it is illegal or it is oppressed. Beloved, we've had a good run. The West has had a good run of being influenced by Christianity. But I think we need to begin to see ourselves as exiles We need to begin to see ourselves as strangers in a strange land because the kingdom of God does not conform to our ways of thinking and our patterns. We align ourselves to it. And so one of the things we need to do, one of the things we need to learn is look at the church that is persecuted. Look at the church that is in turmoil because of outside forces. It would be wise for us to begin to look to the church in China and sub-Saharan Africa for actually how to navigate our faith. Those places where Christianity is growing and vital and praise God that he is already doing stuff like that. Just this week, just this week, I was, I was on the phone doing some work for the Florida Church Planting Network. And we're actually going to be partnering with a church in Brazil because Brazil wants to send a church planter to Orlando. And they want to fund the church planter in Orlando. Now think about that because we American Christians, we're used to being like, we're the people who send missionaries. We're the richest country in the world. So we send the most missionaries. No, we don't. No, that, those days are gone. Brazil is sending missionaries to central Florida and praise God for it. They're going to plant a Portuguese speaking church there in Orlando That should humble us and that should excite us, church. That's the kingdom of God. That's a little seed growing into a new tree that we had no expectation of. Church, we have to reframe our minds. We have to erase what we've been trying to do for so many years and winning some cultural war. Church, we need to get behind what Jesus is doing. And what Jesus is doing is building his kingdom. His kingdom, which has no end. His kingdom, which is hidden and hassled more often than not. He is building his kingdom, which works in ways that we don't understand. It's as if it's almost automatic, like a seed that just becomes a plant. His kingdom that we receive by hearing and then receiving and then bearing fruit. And then Mark ends this chapter with like what happened that night which seems almost like just a chronological add-on, doesn't it? So like Jesus preaches this sermon. Everything is like just these common stories of nature. And oh, by the way, when they were out on the sea that night, the storm got, storm got rough. They wanted to ask Jesus, hey, do you not care that we're perishing? So Jesus wakes up and he calms the sea. He speaks and the wind and the sea listen to him. And then he asked his disciples, do, do you still not have faith? Still? Really? Really? And it seems as almost like Jesus probably just like went back about his business. Maybe he laid back down. We're not sure what he does, but his disciples have some kind of sidebar conversation because they're like, I'm terrified. You? Yeah, me too. This is This is terrifying. Stop for a second. Jesus has spent the whole day telling stories about the natural world. He explained first that the kingdom of God is about listening and hearing. And what do the wind and waves do when Jesus speaks? They listen. Do we? Family, let's listen to what God is telling us. Let's receive it without trying to bend it to our will. And as we're shaped by its message, may we grow and may God grow fruit in our lives. It's his kingdom on his terms for his glory. Let's go that way. Let's pray.